You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So no grounding a was she four, five? She she is five. She turned six this weekend. Oh wow! Happy birthday. Yeah. Little, yeah. How's that? yeah yeah happy birthday welcome to getting punished what kind of uh birthday party thrower uh we're gonna have it at the bouncy houses there's the pump it up on uh plano drive okay and uh actually i have to say like the birthday party industry really has their shit together and so there's a lot of competition for the birthday dollar and uh i gotta say i appreciate the folks who do it right, who like no one wants to be at those parties for a long time. And the ones who have it down to a science that keep you moving, definitely worth the, you know, worth the extra. So they set up the whole thing. They move, they, you start in one room, they move you to a second room. Then you go to the party room. They give you cake, they give you pizza, then you're out. It's, it's awesome. You're done in two hours. I have uh, a couple of my friends here are parents, two kids, a little bit younger than your daughter, but not too, yeah. like a year or two. And I guess, uh, I don't know if it's a California thing, but they just talk about how sort of ch- child's birthday parties are a little bit, almost competition or something. And oh, they yeah. take their kids to a birthday party and then like that kid's parents give gifts to all the other kids and like what the fuck is this like i'm not buying gifts for other kids on my kid's birthday party yeah you have to do the little baggy thing like that's you know, yeah yeah like a little pushing. little yeah we don't give them gifts we give them a little you know we give them the party favors like you yeah. know hey thank but we got that when we were kids like i don't think that's like the like i remember going as a little kid getting like a little bag of like pixie sticks and you know yeah, I think a little bit of candy's one thing. But. Yeah, maybe a whistle or something. Like, you know, yeah. Something to annoy your parents. But yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll, we're going to put together like a bag. Like they make these party bags. But yeah, like parents definitely try to amp stuff. If you want to get onto the uh, the competition hamster wheel, you totally can. Like there are definitely those kind of parents. It's intense. And yeah, I've completely opted out because I honestly don't care if they like me. So works out pretty well. I'm not trying to impress them. <laughs> and honestly, like even in those competition ones, there are the laid back parents who are just kind of like going along with everything. Just, you know, hey, this is where the party is. This is where I'm going. Yeah. And, and they appreciate the they appreciate a well-organized birthday party like just because it just moves shit along it's just like all right i don't have to deal with because if they're always active and then it's done there's no moment of crying i i guess also there's the this seems like a distinctly california thing but there's the debate of like do we do cake, cupcakes, cookies? Oh. Is it, are people going to come to this and not let their kids have it because they don't let their kids eat sugar already? Yeah. Uh, and then, then, then it's awkward, you know, because you're like, ah, oh, sorry, we don't have anything else. Like, do we yeah. bring yeah. food? <laughs> you like? yeah, I'm with you on that one. Also, it's like uh, Camden, uh, she wants a uh, – she likes chocolate. Chocolate's her favorite. 
And I was kind of like, do we make a chocolate cake? Because some kids don't like chocolate. Am I going to mm-hmm. be like, you know, the pariah for a cake that some kids don't like? And then I was just like, I don't care about the other kids. But I had yeah. a moment. Like, there was definitely a brief moment where I was like, oh, what about the other kids? The ones who don't like chocolate. I'm like, oh, it's not their birthday. Who cares? <laughs> I think that's a good lesson to learn as a kid, too. Like, this isn't about you. It's about yeah. this kid. And everyone yeah. has to go through it. One day it will be about you. And then you know what? You get whatever the fuck you want that day. If you want a pineapple pie, knock yourself out. You get you get what you want. Exactly. But honestly, like, try and keep it uh, – don't trick it up. Like it, this is not the day, unless your kid specifically requests something special. You know, get a get a white sheet cake, <laughs> yeah, and get pizza, and then move on with your lives. Like, like just you know, and and don't get crazy on the toppings. Like, just you know, get some cheese because that's what the kids want. Get a few pepperoni, and then like a couple of supremes or something for the adults, and then you're done. Like, you don't have to. You know, you don't have to get the Hawaiian pizza. You don't have to get the – you don't have to make sure that every single person's individuality is <clears> – you only have to worry about your own kid. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. No, it's, it's fun. And honestly, like uh, one of our one of our friends at school actually had a really good birthday. It was totally unstructured. So after I said I really liked the structured one, they went the total opposite direction. They just had it at the park. <laughs> and that was pretty awesome too because the kids, they showed up. They pushed each other a few times, got dirt in each other's faces. Everyone home. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what my uh, my friends here, they have a – well, he just turned four? I think four. Yeah, he just turned four. And they just did it at the park. And they did it in between <clears throat> breakfast and lunch and just did, like, cake. And, like, they had some little, like, crackers and shit. You know, like, little snackies. Yeah. But they were like, I'm not going to serve 15 kids and parents lunch <laughs> and <laughs> cake and all this shit. So. Yeah. Hey, I'm fine with that. As long as it's at, a, at a, the appropriate time, knock yourself out. Like, if you, if you, if you get, like, the two to three – the two to four window – Good on you. Yep. You planned that perfectly. So, who knew yeah. so much thought went into this stuff? Oh man, the, the birthday party industry is—it it is amazing. Like you can walk into any place, ask about their birthdays, you know, their party prices, and a whole world opens up. <laughs> and I take it to the back room, like, and there's all these upcharges and stuff. You're like, no, no, no. Let's just uh, move this thing along. Just give me the so basics. I, yeah, just give me the basis, cake, pizza, boom. And I want you to clean up. I will pay extra for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's worth it. Yeah, that's total. That's why you do it somewhere else. We did one year get a bounce house at our house. And while fun, I totally recommend getting smashed on margaritas and then jumping in a bounce house. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> but it wasn't, that was not worth like the cleanup and, you know. You know, than having everyone in your house. So it's not just the clean up. It's the clean up twice. You've got to make your house look nice enough for people to be in it. And then they leave. And you got to clean again. It's, it's no good. Can't do it. No, no, I, I can't do that. And she's not going to help. She's just sitting there, just dirtying the place up. 
like if it was like your own party, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, now clean up. That's what I do. Like I'm an adult. But she's not an adult. <laughs> She'll be like comatose on sugar by that point. Yeah, she's just like, I got a new My Little Pony. Peace out, Dad. Later. <laughs> uh, and it is time for parent talk, parenting talk with your host, Poser and Dan. <laughs> We've changed the theme of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to talk about parenting. Tell your tell other parents to go to hell. From uh, one dad to one <laughs> non-dad. Um, but speaking of parents, so again, this is the uh, the sneaky good podcast. Poser, Dan. We've met. Um, instead of parenting, this is sort of like the parenting time oh, for LSU football. This is where they all learn and teach. It's spring football. Ah, yes. Our favorite and we have just, time. Uh, we have just gotten through the most worthless time of year. Yeah, we're on the back stretch of it, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I know baseball team is not very strong right now, but we're getting into the thick of baseball. When it, yeah, it, and it's not as bad as people. Things are always worse when you've get, just gotten swept. So, but course. calm down. But calm down. It's not... It's not a disaster yet. They're, they're still on pace to make the playoffs. And, you know, we didn't think they were going to win the national title this year. So, you know. But they're unranked for the first time. And yeah, they are. Whatever. And I, 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 I don't know what to tell people. But it's people are making it sound like, you know, LSU is like 0-30. I mean, they're 9-9 nine and nine in conference. You know what first place in conference in, in the West Division is? Ten what and eight. They're one game out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's you know, let's dial back the panic just a little bit. Now, admittedly, Florida's fourteen and four in conference, and they're killing everybody. But other than that, second place is ten and eight, and first place in the West is ten and eight. So they should have fired Javi when we told him. Yeah, they're in the right place. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You know, the it's just that it's a really good conference that's really deep. And, you know, every so often you're going to have a bad weekend. So, yeah, that's it. That's the end of baseball talk. <laughs> Everybody's hurt. <laughs> Everybody's hurt. Don't panic. But, you know, actually, I was with uh, on this top. Sorry. Just I was with some I was in Chicago over the weekend and hanging out with my buddy who's an Indiana fan. And he made the comment about, like, the SEC has now become, like, a really good basketball conference after this season. We had a lot of really good teams. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. Like, the, the I don't know. I feel like the conference as a whole has risen its level of quality across other sports. Like, it's always been, like, the football conference. And then, like, we were good at other things here and there, but maybe not the best. Now, all of a sudden, it's like we're the, kind of the best at everything. I think we it's sort of like uh, we found things that other conferences weren't good at and sort of made it our own. I think that's what happened with baseball. Like mm-hmm. uh, um, there was really 
before the rise of LSU, and LSU actually wasn't the first program to rise. Mississippi State was, and R- Georgia won a national title before we did. Um, but before then, almost every title was won by a Pac-10 school or someone on the West Coast or Texas, and that was pretty much it. And so there was a real opportunity to jump in. And now, you know, the SEC, once one team got good, a second team got good. Once two teams got good, everybody got good. Because yeah. we hate we hate it for one team to be good at anything, um, and that's sort of what happened with gymnastics. You know, Alabama, um, Georgia was good for a very long time. Then Alabama got really good to kind of be their their sparring partner. So then Florida got good. Now we got good. You know, now you see you know Auburn is occasionally in the Super Six, and Kentucky is, and it's sort of like no one is allowed to have nice things, and that kind of spirit of competition raises the game everywhere. And we've kind of moved from sport to sport that way. We've done baseball, softball, gymnastics. Um, I don't know if we'll ever do – and we have done track and field, though no one really cares. Um, I don't know if we'll ever do swimming and diving. I know Auburn is really, and Florida are both really good at it, but it hasn't really caught on with the rest of the conference. But, yeah, basketball, I mean, it's on TV all the time. So it's hard to ignore that sport. Yeah. I mean, it might be the most popular. I don't know. Is it the most popular sport in America right now? Basketball? I mean, football still number one. But, yeah, basketball still very, very popular. I just feel like football is falling out. At least, I mean, the NFL has taken a major hit for all manner of reasons. But Yeah, but as much as people say that, it still gets the biggest ratings. I mean, its ratings are going down, but they're still yeah. better than every, everybody's. Um, yeah, but and the NBA is doing really well, but college basketball is not, you know, tearing it up. True. I mean, the, the tournament is. I mean, the tournament's still the tournament. I think that's the, the problem with college basketball is that everyone knows nothing matters until the tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a huge deal. And also, I, I mean, it just kind of crushes their regular seasons. It's like who, like maybe you can you can watch a Duke UNC game. You'll, you'll catch a couple rivalry matchups. And I mean, I hate to agree with the the committee that you know that's not going to do anything that just got uh, just put out their report, but they do have a point about the one and done. You, it's it's hard to sustain rivalries that way because um, yeah. I mean I grew up on the, you know I grew up in Maryland, so I, I lived on the line between the Big East and the ACC, and so you got to hate people for a very long time. So like you know Georgetown. You know, Patrick Ewing was there for four years, so you re- really got to hate Chris Mullen. You know, or a little bit later, you really got to hate you know Derek Coleman and Ronnie Sykley, or you know, and he, and the ACC. I mean, you got to hate James Worthy and Michael Jordan, and even more minor figures like Jeff Lebo. Um, and yeah, if you don't think get about that, like a lot of those guys. No one forms relationships like Kevin Durant. Well, he was one and done, right? Like no one yeah, cared he, really yeah, about him Texas. out of college. Yeah, and he was at Texas, and and by the time he does anything for you to hate, he's gone. Yeah. So but you think not, about like Christian Leitner being what at Duke for three, four years. Yeah. So people despised it. It didn't happen in one year. It happened over time. Yeah. And so it's it's harder and harder to build hatreds, and. I mean, they're never going to go back to a four-year model, but it'd be nice if they could stay for two or three. I, I mean, at least two, because you really learn people in the tournament. 
you know, like if if Marshall Henderson had his heel turn in the tournament, and then the next year, I mean, he's a bad example because he did stay four years, but like Marshall Henderson, you know, is one of the most reviled figures in SEC basketball history, and if you would have had more time with him in the regular season, it kind of would have been nice, like knowing who he was. Uh, and yeah. the problem for us was that LSU was terrible, so there was really no reason to be down with hating Marshall Henderson. So and, uh, this is extremely on topic because Tremont Waters declared – threw his name into the hat. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just testing the waters, which he should do. Like you should get a honest appraisal of where you are. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I don't – I think everyone was kind of expecting him to be around for three years at least. So I, I, I still think he will be. Uh, I just don't think he's going to get drafted. So I think this is him – and look, do your due diligence. I mean, he, he wants to go to the NBA, but do, throw your hat in the ring, talk to some agents, talk to some teams, find out where you stand, and most importantly, find out what they want you to work on in your game, which for him might be to grow. <laughs> but I think at the end of it, he will pull his name out and come back to school next year. I hope so. I mean, I feel like the team took a step forward, but I think next year is a team – the team we look at and think, okay, this team's like actually pretty talented and could make some noise. Yeah, because I mean, You're losing I mean, him is a, a piece of that, big piece of that. He has to pull back sometime by June, I think, and I, I just don't see how he can. I, I just there's there's already more than sixty underclassmen who have declared for the draft, and there's only going to be you know sixty four people who get drafted total because in the NBA draft is only two rounds. True. So uh, a lot of guys who have declared now are going to come back to school. But it feels like it's becoming more in vogue to declare. If you don't get drafted, what do they do? They go play like. Yeah, play in the D League or. D League. Yeah. And, and, and that's. Be- you're getting money become- to do it. Yeah, it's becoming a more violent. And if that's what you want to do, go do it. I think that's a. I think the difference is if you play in the D League and get paid now and. I'm all for players getting paid now. If you want to do that, absolutely go do it. I think the advantage college has, even though you're not getting paid, which you should, but you're not, you are raising your profile. I I think the pathway to the NBA is easier from college than from the D-League. Okay. And that's because you get to, you know, you, you get to be in the tournament and you get all that free advertising. I, I think there's something, they're doing marketing for you. I mean, not intentionally, but they yeah. are. And that's a not inconsequential advantage to playing college basketball. I don't think that's an excuse to not pay them, but they are getting some value out of playing college basketball for their future career. That's what they would say, yes. No, they would say you're getting an education. I mean, they, they wouldn't even look at it the terms of we're helping your NBA career because that's, that's contrary to being a student athlete. These guys are playing for the love of the game. Don't you know that? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not too panicked about it. And, I mean, if he does go to the D-League, you know, good for him. I'm not, I, I'm not going to deny anybody the right to make a living. And, honestly, it's going to take players like that leaving early to force college sports to at least adopt the Olympic model. Which would be 
you can get endorsements. You don't get paid, but you can still hold job outside of the events. And the big thing is doing endorsements. So if Tremont Waters, I mean, you can sign with a shoe company right now. Tremont, Tremont Waters has had articles written all over him all over the internet. I mean, he, he could turn that, he could parlay that into endorsement, if nothing else, local endorsements. And make more money than he would in the D-League. Yeah, it still really doesn't make any sense why colleges are so opposed to athletes doing that. But Yeah, like it's, it, it, and it's a great Title IX workaround because it's not a benefit from the university. True. So, yeah, I wouldn't panic about it. I mean, there's always the possibility he goes, but I think – it's almost 80% that he's going to come back. Maybe even more. Well, we'll hold you to that. You have sources, apparently. No, I just... I have logic. (laughs) This is going to work. And also, guys have done this before. And... It's a good idea to throw your hat in the ring and, you know, talk to people. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's worth a shot, I guess, to see if someone wants to, what they think of him. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think his biggest problem is that he's he's small. Yeah, there's not a whole lot he can, he can do about that. He is a little guy. What do they so, list him at? I feel like he's listed bigger than he actually is. I think he's listed at 5'9". But, yeah, he's a, he's a small dude, but he can shoot it from anywhere. And that's a pretty important skill. Yep, it's in vogue right now. Yeah, particularly in the modern NBA. If you can gun it from anywhere, it's it's hard to say that there's no place for him in in the NBA. His little like bio on Google says he's five eleven. Yeah, yeah, good luck on that. There's yeah, no 5'11", way. 167. That's what the LSU roster lists him. Yeah, there's no way he is five eleven. Anyways, that's enough about LSU basketball for a year. Yeah. yeah, so we just ran through two sports and totally avoided the spring game. Yeah, I guess we can get back to that. I mean, I think the the big news, Grant Delpit got hurt. That's not good. Yeah, luckily it was not a very severe injury. No, I don't think so. I think he'll be back for the fall. And, but uh, any, I mean, it's hard to make it's impossible to make any judgments about the team based on the spring game, but any impressions? Um, I didn't watch the whole thing. I saw pieces of it. I got to see all three quarterbacks at different times. Anyone Um, impress you? Honestly, like I thought McMillan was clearly the best of just a total package, even though he had he has yeah. some pretty clear limitations with his throwing. It feels like we never can have the right QB for the right offense we want to run at the right time. Like, I, 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 just, I don't know. I'm just thinking about, okay, Etling was a pretty modest quarterback, leaning, you know, above average, I suppose. And um, he was the I, classic game manager. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
But I feel like he would have fit into what Ensminger wants to do pretty well. Like, I feel like he wants a pretty quick decision maker and to throw the ball pretty accurately. And I, we have two more athletic quarterbacks, neither of which have a ton of passing accuracy, and then one who is a better passer, but to date does not look like a very strong decision maker. Yeah, and that's so critical is decision making. Yeah, and that's why I, I, I keep saying like McMillan might be the best choice because he knows the like he's not going to kill you. He's going to make the right reads. I mean, what I agree that McMillan looked the most impressive over the game. I, I think Brennan showed the most talent. I mean, you can kind of see it, but it just yeah, yeah, it's not manifesting itself. I mean, it, he, you can kind of see the potential there. What concerned me about McMillan, even though I do agree with you that he was the the best quarterback that day, is he did a lot of damage with his legs when he's wearing a jersey where you're not allowed to hit him. Yep, yep. And it's really hard to extrapolate that. I mean, if a guy's rushing for what, like 70, 80 yards, but it's he's also wearing a no contact jersey, I almost throw those numbers out entirely. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. He's not nearly as dynamic as a runner as Narcisse is. So, I don't know. I think, honestly, I think what's probably going to happen is that they're going to sell McMillan on the fact that he has a chance for this job, and they're going to keep pumping that to the media. And then when it gets time to make a decision, it's going to be Narcisse or Brennan because they just, frankly, can't really afford for McMillan to transfer. (laughs) Like they don't have the depth for him to leave right now. No, I agree with that. So opening snap, <coughs> I mean, I was a long, long way away, but opening snap, assuming no one gets hurt in Dallas against Miami, who takes it? Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I go back and forth. I know that I think that right now, Coaches think McMillan is the leader in the clubhouse. I don't know if they're entirely transparent in why they believe that, you know? Uh, I think Brennan is the most talented guy. I was high on Brennan last year. But, you know, last year I can say he's a true freshman. I'll give him a pass for poor decision-making. He's learning the offense. He's adjusting to college. Like, year two – not that he needs to be flawless, but like he needs to be coming out of that. You know, it's got to be time where he knows the offense. He's been in the playbook, and it's not like Ensminger hasn't been here. So, I, I don't, I don't find that a viable like. I can't forgive him for it as easily. I should say. All right, that's that's fair. Uh, but I think he'll be the guy. I mean, I think they will. They've built a passing offense. Why the hell are they not going to pick a passing quarterback? Yeah, that's that's kind of where I am. I, I think at the end of the day, they have forced their own hand to take Brennan. Yeah, it's pretty clear they built the offense <laughs> to like tailor and, to him. And uh, I mean, I am a little bit more. I'm not nearly as worried as I was about the running backs. Um, um, Edwards Hilaire looked really good. Uh, um, now I know once again it's hard to say whether that's because of defensive deficiencies or all offensive positives, but I just like the way he ran the ball. Like he just had a lot of churn, the legs were moving, he kinda had that kind of pinball. It looked like he was able to find space. He looked like a feature back. Now I don't think he's Darius Geis, but he but he looked like an SEC starting running back. 
I seem to be the only LSU fan that was just never really worried. I, I thought the guys we had were fine. And then there's Curry coming in, too, so... Yeah, but I mean, it was. I mean, I I'm not doubting what you're saying. It was reassuring to see him perform. Yeah, because like just you know, be camp stories. Yes, I, I mean that's because like Brosette really didn't show anything in the spring game. He's running out of time. Um, Proven's was actually number two, our number two running back. Um, I don't know. Well, if he, he's had that, he had that that one huge run when like yeah. the entire defense parted for him to walk into the end zone. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, but he did well, it very quickly. He looked very fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, And that's the thing. Is, is I thought going in that this was going to be running back by committee. That was going to be like a year where just kind of everybody touches the ball. And coming out of the spring, I'm thinking more and more, it's going to be a feature back with other guys getting occasional touches. I still think it'll be by committee. All right. We'll see. Well, I mean, I'd be... I like Healer, so that'd be cool if he broke out and was the guy. Yeah. Also, we've just had the tendency to run guys like that. We, we, we've never really figured out how to give multiple people touches. The 2011 team probably did it the best, I guess. Yeah, I think that's... And Ford and Ware and Hilliard. And even there, I think Ford was the guy they... I mean, they lean on a little bit more, but yeah, I think that's the one where they. 2011 is probably the the best example of getting everybody touches. And look, in the wide receivers, well, everybody got a touch. I think there was what, like 11, 12 receivers who who got a catch. Yeah, it was good to see Drake Davis actually make some plays. Yeah, yeah, he made he, one nice, you know, one very nice catch. He had a drop, but hey, what are you gonna do? Like. Can't be perfect. Um, uh, Jefferson had gaudy stats, but mainly because he had that one really big catch. This is like the most surprising storyline to me because, I mean, I follow recruiting pretty well. He was not very heavily recruited, maybe because he had grades issues. He was definitely the light, the the least recruited of all of the Jefferson brothers. Yeah. And he was kind of an afterthought to even come to LSU. He winds up in the class, and now he's going to probably be one of our starting wide receivers as a true sophomore. It's very possible, yes. Um, Giles didn't, you know, as much as we heard all this stuff about him, he didn't that was just do much. Yeah, didn't do much. I think um, Sullivan, I, I still think he's our best wide receiver, um, even though it's that's still potential. It's sort of like the Miles Brennan of wide receivers. I think Sullivan's the guy who has shown the most so far, but he hasn't put it all together. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, and he had a good spring game again. And so, I mean, to put a positive spin on it, it's sort of where, you know, DJ Chark was before his senior year. Where he had shown flashes that he could be the guy, but just hadn't done it yet. And then when he put it together, he really put it together. Yeah, I mean, he had done more than Sullivan had. That, I, I do agree with that. But I, I see where you're – I know what you're getting at. Like, there, we've seen him do things. It's not like he's a nobody. Yeah, like Drake Davis I don't think really has done anything. And he's had, like, one big catch. Like, yeah. hooray. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like it's spring. You don't – 
marry too much to anything that happens in the spring, if anything. Um, I agree with that. But I think the defense will probably be too good for this team to really be like uh, lately the talk is like, can this team even win six games? And I'm like, I, I understand that our schedule is pretty tough. Yeah. And we have but a lot one, of growing up to do, but like this defense will just have to come unglued for yeah. us to not win six games. Alice, you would basically have to lose every game that projects to be close to only win six games. Yeah. No. Which I guess is possible. I mean, it's not, you know, outside the realm of possibility, but yeah, I'm, that would be a disaster kind of a season. I, I don't think it's the question of whether you can, it, it would take a series of, a series of disasters to have that poor of a season. Yeah. I mean, now could we be seven to eight, you know, Wins? Yeah, I think so. It, it yeah, would shock I, me. I think that what really it depends on how you start. Yeah, someone asked me over the weekend about that, and I said it'll depend on how that Miami game goes. Honestly, like I don't know. Like I, I don't think Miami is returning enough to really be like. The, I think they're going to do a reset too, a little bit. So. And I think we play Auburn like the third week of the season. We do. So it's, I, I mean, right out the gate, there's going to be, they're going to answer questions like right out of the gate of like where they are. Um, on the road. Yep. Yeah. So that is not a easy way to start the season. Now mix it in there, you play Sela and Louisiana Tech. So it's not like, there, there's some built-in wins, but. And Louisiana Tech's not even like a pushover anymore. Yeah, but if LSU loses Louisiana Tech, that's let's not even go there. Uh, it's absolutely not a team LSU should lose to. But coming off of an Auburn game, looking ahead to an Ole Miss game, it's your classic trap game, as they say. Yeah, but how much are you looking ahead to Ole Miss? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Ole Miss is not a team. That is definitely a game you're counting on LSU to win. That's for sure. Um, is this the first time we've had two SEC games in September? Um, Maybe it's just the, two of our like, more... I know it's happened. But I mean, I'm positive it's happened before. Yeah. But I, um, but we don't usually play Ole Miss this early. I think that's what's throwing me off. Yeah, we don't even play state this early. I mean, we used to always lead off with state and Auburn. Yep. So, but yeah, playing Ole Miss this early is weird. And yeah, playing Mississippi State in October is just, that that's, that's freaking me out. They couldn't have switched those two games. Like, come on, guys. The yeah, game is the Halloween game. Like that should, it should be played be on Halloween. I agree with that. But the LSU Bama game has now kind of become that, and it takes over the open date beforehand. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we need to stop doing that. Uh, for this team, I'd rather we have the open date before you know Georgia or Mississippi State. What do you, man? I think I just can't muster much excitement about this team. Not that I think they're going to be terrible. It's just that I know they're not going to be great. And 
it feels like some of the best teams in the country are in our conference, and so that and we play two of them. Yes, so in Alabama, just, Georgia. Yeah. yeah, and so it's kind of like we got to watch and deal with that. Yeah, it's it, it, it. I'm kind of in the same place you are for the, going into this year. Alabama and Georgia just look flat better than LSU. I think those are the two games on the schedule where you're just like. It would, I don't want to say a miracle to win those games, but something close to it. Yeah. And Mississippi State looks to be really good this year. That's going to be an interesting team. I don't know what to think of them. And so you have that run of, you know, you're going to go, and Florida's not great, but I, I really like Mullen. <laughs> I think, you know, I think he'll get them on the right track pretty quickly. Yeah, and that's a big game for him to, like. Yeah, I agree. Impress and his bosses with. So you have that run of games. You go Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama. That is a – God, that's a murderer's row. And then right into an Arkansas team that will undoubtedly be hungry to spring an yeah. upset too. I agree with that. And also with a new coach who I really like. Yeah. I mean, I don't think – I think they will be terrible this year as they transition. I think so, <laughs> I think so too. I, I agree with that entirely. But by, by November, they might have put some things together. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the kind of terrible team that late in the season might, you know, show their promise for next year. So, yeah, it's – this is a team that's – where you're already marking down two losses on your calendar. And then, you know, you start from there. And that's tough to do. All right, what about this scenario? We're just going to make the assumption that LSU is not going to go undefeated or have okay. a record good enough to win the West and therefore have a chance to win the conference and maybe play for, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl or something. Right. Um, so LSU in that in that scenario is looking at something south of nine wins. Um, would you rather like again be like eight ish, nine maybe wins? Or would you rather be at five wins heading into a showdown with Texas A&M, who is like somehow nine and two because Jimbo is whatever? Yeah, he has to have his one and beat them again <laughs> to get bowl eligible. <laughs> well, I, I do not believe in any scenario that involves us losing to A&M because if we win nine games, we're going to beat A&M there too. Um, but no, I, I want to win as many games. But I do not define my season. I mean, if you're if you're at five wins and you salvage the year by beating A and M, that's nice. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn my nose up at that. But I take it as a whole, I'd still rather win eight or nine games. Yeah, that would be a failed season. Yeah, this is not. You know, we're not. They're not that kind of rival. LSU still does not have the. Oh, we had a terrible year, but you know, we beat Ohio State. You can't play that card. It's interesting, you know. I felt like we talked about this at the, on the pod, maybe after the bowl or heading into the bowl. But bowl games are inherently meaningless. They don't mean anything to me, or I know they don't really mean much to you. They're fun. They're scrimmages. But when you think about Ogeron's contract situation, it's it's going to matter for him. Like I feel like if we beat Notre Dame in that bowl game, people feel just a general uptick in excitement heading into this year and a little more expectation of like, oh, this team could actually be pretty good. And it's, oh, I totally it's, agree with that. It's a somber mood, but it also sets the tone for 
sort of his what is going on around him. You know, like the, he's going to have to win some games this year because if he wins six games, he's seriously like already on life support. Yeah, yeah. If he wins six games, he's on. Honestly, if he had won the bowl game, he wins six games. He's still on life support. Um, yeah, you're right. But I, I think if he wins eight games, he's he's still in trouble. It, yeah, it's not. It's, Which I mean, and that's just kind of the hyper competitive. Like, look, I'm going to say this as someone who is not in favor of hiring Orgeron. You got to give the dude a chance, and I think he did a once again. I think he did a really good job last year. That really could have spiraled out of control. And he lost his best player on both sides of the ball, who was arguably the best player in the conference on both sides of the ball. I mean, LSU lost a potential SEC offensive and defensive player of the year and looked really bad in his first month. And then he found a way to right that ship and get to a pretty good bowl game and come up seconds away from winning 10 games. That's that's a really good job. And so to then turn around in the next year, if he doesn't, you know, blow everybody's doors off, to be like, oh, why, you know, we need to get rid of this guy, which I I think that'll be the talk around the town. That's crazy. I mean, that that just says something about where we are as just college football fans. Yeah, it's a weird state, especially if every- you're if you're going back and reading. All the history stuff that we are. I mean, but I think that's everywhere. I mean, Florida, you know, is pushing guys out the door recently for, you know. Now, we weren't big fans of them, but, you know, it's not like. He also lied. That didn't help him. Yeah, that didn't help him. But he was on the hot seat before then. True. It's just like there's no room. There's no room for someone to have a bad year. Yeah, it's a, it's an impatient industry as a whole right now. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, part of it's probably how much money is flowing through yeah. it. I, I mean, I think that's definitely the big part of it. And it's not even like you're, you can't have a bad year. You can't even have. I hate to use the word a mediocre year. I mean, you have to like always be doing better and better and better, and that's just impossible. That's true. It's it's because Nick Saban ruined it. In a way, he did. And what I also don't like is just how teams of programs have become competitive off the field in a way they never were. And I think that's showing up in like the legislative, like how LSU wants to sell alcohol, and other programs are trying to stop it, and it's becoming it's a real political football, and. I don't know. I think even 10 years ago, I think the other the SEC schools would have gotten together and come up with a unified, hey, you do this, you do that kind of. I mean, there was always politicking, but I think there was, uh, hey, what's good for one of us is good. You know, what's good for the conference is good for all of us. You know, uh, rising tide raises all boats. And now I think it's every program is just like, look out for yourself and screw everybody else. Yeah, baby, capitalism. Yeah, and it's uh, you. Do, there's less viewing. Like 
I want to beat Alabama's football team as much as we can. But off the field, they're our partner. They're, you know, they're our conference mate. We shouldn't. We're not in competition with Alabama for for dollars. You know, it's not like you know an Alabama fan suddenly can become an LSU fan or vice versa. What about TV revenues? It's split amongst the conference. It's, you know, there's not an Alabama TV network. I mean, only they, Texas has it. Do they get paid more though if they get like CBS Game of the Week or ESPN? They might get, I think they get more for like the bowl game. They, you know, they get a, but that's to cover the cost kind of thing. I don't think it's that yeah. significant. I think they're, they're supposed to be, hey, everybody takes care of everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I just – and look, there are ways to make revenue outside of just TV, and Alabama's really good at that kind of stuff. You know, Alabama does have more money than LSU. But I think that has more to do with, like, boosters and, you know, the running of the gumps and that kind of stuff. True. Which is truly one of the more entertaining things in in college football, but I, I mean, I just think that schools should act more like, par- particularly SEC schools, should act more like partners with each other. Uh, oh, no, I, I, all. I don't, I don't believe in partnerships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still have just a bad taste in my mouth from the the LSU Florida Hurricane game when basically every quote that came out of Florida was. In the run-up, they were saying, how is LSU trying to screw us? And that says a lot about how they do business. Yeah, that was a bizarre scenario. I mean, I think if you spend all your life treating everyone like an enemy, that's all you see, are enemies. Yeah, that's definitely true. I don't know. I don't know what drives it. I mean, you would think that there's a bubble to burst at some point. At some point, people have to realize that's just not going to be them. They're not going to win six national championships in eight years or whatever the fuck. Well, Alabama is, but, you know, the rest of you aren't. Right. That's, yeah. And, and yeah, I think there is an element of that. Like, Nick Saban has just ruin the standards of but in the same way like Bear Bryant you know had that kind of dominant run and didn't quite you know ruin the standards I I mean it took LSU you know 18 years to run off Charlie Mack yeah that's what that's writing these history pieces and looking through I'm obviously approaching with modern eyes but just thinking like how the hell did he keep this job like he went through some pretty he stayed pretty stable, but he went through some definite seasons that now we would consider utter yeah, failures. Yeah, and the mid-70s were not kind to him. Yeah. And then, like, right when they were going to fire him, he has that kind of bump at the end of his career. Yeah. And so he's, that, that final four years of his career is just insane. It is very strange. Like. I mean, he's an 18-year 18 18-year 18 coach that they tried to get rid of at year 14. And he, he somehow got fired at the end of his 14th season and coached another four years. Or, you know, not technically fired. He was, you know, getting bought out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of those years was thanks to uh, Dietzel just yeah. 
warning him to go out with dignity, essentially. Yeah, and I don't know. There's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for letting a guy go out on his own terms. And I think that allowed him to, you know, do his coaching search. And I think he did get a guy who, I mean, we'll never know, but it looked like he made a really good hire. You know, he he took he took that year that he was he gave himself to go out and identify a visionary head coach. Mm-hmm. And some of that could just be this, you know, the 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 halo around Bo Ryan. Of course. I mean, it's much easier to say great things about a guy who, you know, never actually had to coach. But he did he did good things at NC State. He won a you know ACC title there. And yeah, his, it's like the his, old, it's a, it's like the Nirvana thing. Like if if Cobain doesn't commit suicide and lives on and on and on, are they as you know revered as a band? Or do they take an inevitable downturn, right? Yeah, I, I mean, or does he have the you know good sense to end the band? But you know, like, yeah. But yeah, so like Bo Ryan, I, it, and I mean, what makes Bo Ryan also look better is just what a disaster everything happened after he died. Yeah the <sighs> the run of head coaches and ads that LSU went through in the eighties. Wow, just a delight to write about. Um, (laughs) But it does tie, like, the stakes are just too high now financially. Yes, I agree. Like, like Kansas State can let, um, God, why am I blanking on his name right now? Bill Snyder? Bill Snyder. I was was wanting to say Bill Self, and I was like, no, not the Kansas basketball coach. Uh, yeah, they can let Bill Self or Bill, again. I did it. What the fuck, Bill Snyder? Go out any way he wants because he is the program and he keeps them at a stable point. But like, they also can deal with him winning six games. But LSU, in its current iteration, can't really sustain that, right? Yeah. No, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. And it's. I remember. Uh, forget what season it is. I think it was like 68, 69. There was in a Sports Illustrated piece. And they're basically saying, hey, everybody goes to LSU games on a Saturday night because there's nothing to do in Louisiana. Yeah. Which is, you know, uh, condescending as hell. But at the same time, not entirely wrong. I mean, there, Baton Rouge was a much smaller, sleepier town. Yeah. You know, and and also just... In the modern world, we just have more options. Like, you couldn't catch an LSU game on TV. It was a big deal when they were. I mean, even up until the mid-80s. Exactly. And now every game's on TV. I mean, even really bad games. Oh, I'm a, you know, most of the Sunbelt games are on TV. <laughs> yeah, you could watch pretty much... Any team from any conference of any part of the country, if you want to. Yeah, without much much additional expense. No, like my, my wife, uh, you know, went to Bowling Green in her for her graduate school. So we watched Bowling Green football one season when they were really good, and I think we only missed like one or two games. Every other one of them was available on ESPN somewhere. For sure. So, yeah, I think because it used to be you had to go to the game. 
Yeah, and yeah, without television, it just becomes it's easier to build a mythology around it for sure. Yes, I think it is as well because there's no replay, there's no, there's yeah, no there's nothing, no, there's no record, there's barely a written record. Yeah, and the it's written often record. not very good. <laughs> Some of the written record, man, I have come to love uh, the people who did the play by play. Some of them are just so snarky. You can tell they're like three bourbons in, just pissed off. Uh, just wonderful. I'm a. I am such a fan of uh, snarky play-by-play guys. Uh, but yeah, like we just, and we have a much more robust record, not just visually. I mean, not just like radio calls and TV, which has all been archived, but box scores nowadays. I mean, we now keep track of everything. Yeah, I mean, to the extent that you're like irritated when you can't find like some uh, maybe a random stat that you want to see you're like why isn't this tracked yeah and like there is like they have things where sometimes you can't even read the person's name or they get it wrong the entire game <laughs> there are box scores in which they literally get the guy wrong the entire game right you know who they mean but you're like that guy doesn't play for the team <laughs> or like there's just cr- you know the stat sheet is handwritten <laughs> and you know and they cross there's eraser marks and they cross stuff out because they you know they put stuff down wrong I think that's really endearing and I, I mean I think that's a, you know really interesting particularly it happened more in the 60s but yeah you don't have you don't have that today everything's everything's perfect it's true so yeah, it's a better statistical record. I mean, it's it's easier to remember things, I guess, but it's harder to build legends. Speaking of building legends, I guess we should talk about the gym team. Yeah, you know, I I would say like fourth place. Fourth place is disappointing. This team was supposed to compete for the national title and finishing fourth was below what they wanted to do. But at the same time, they had a monster score. They had a score that probably would have won the national title most years. Mm-hmm. And they did compete for the title. They went to the final rotation with a legitimate chance to win. And that's really all you can ask for. And they had a good final rotation. It's just that everybody else had a superlative one. I mean, LSU was in second place. Scored a 49.475, I think, on their final rotation and dropped to fourth. That's unfathomable. Yeah, that's. Um, I don't know if it's quite what they would call in poker a bad beat, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I, I think it was a bad beat. I, I honestly. Like when you come and post like your school record at the finals and a score that can win most meets. And you're fourth. That sucks. Yeah, particularly when you were in second. Like they were in second going to that final rotation. And I, I mean, I this is looking at partially through purple and gold glasses. But I felt that LSU scores were very consistent throughout. Like they just, but they never got like those massive scores. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't getting. I mean, they got nine nines and stuff. But there weren't a whole lot of nine nine fives or nine nine seven fives. Like these real, just you know, blow out the. You know, blow your doors off kind of stuff. And it felt that UCLA especially was getting those. Um, and sometimes when routines 
particularly on the floor. I, I thought their floor uh, scores were just astronomically high compared to what they actually did. Um, but I also think like Florida had a gripe on the judging. I, I think Florida had a bars routine that was just incredible. I mean, just one after another, just stick after stick after stick. I was really impressed with Florida's uneven bars routine. And I mean, they scored really, really well. They got, it was like a 49.575, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it still wasn't as high as, you know, UCLA or, you know, or, and they scored the same as Oklahoma, which Oklahoma was, who was sort of, sort of the model of consistency. It was hard to see those scores lining up, if that makes any sense. Like, it's not so much that LSU deserved higher, uh, higher scores. I just kind of think the judges got caught up in the excitement and started tossing out higher and higher scores. And LSU was unfortunate not to catch that wave. Yeah. Maybe the judges got wrapped up in the moment. Yeah, I, I, I think there is some, you know, wrap up in the moment kind of thing. And I think you could tell on the final rotation on the vault, I think Juliana Canamala just had an incredible vault. It was one of the best of her career. I mean, and when I say she stuck it, like there was no wobble, no nothing. She landed that thing. And I mean, she did that the day before, got a 9-9. And there was even a little bit of arm movement. And this one was an even better vault. I mean, it was the same vault, but it was better performance. She got a 9.85. And that's the kind of day it was. What does this team return for next season? Um, honestly, a lot. Um, they lose. Uh, I think Mia Hambrook is, you know, the big loss. Uh, I just said uh, Katamala is gone. She's a senior. But they return a hang on as I try and get my roster up. They bring back a lot of the talent. Um, they uh, and also they brought in a great freshman class this year that had just started to you know like uh, um, Sarah Edwards kind of showed out. Sammy Durante didn't do a whole lot in the uh, um, Super Six, but you know she was at least there. Reagan Campbell, I think, is someone who's supposed to be a star. Um, yeah, they lose Mia Hambrick. That's going to be a loss. Oh, I take it back. Juliana Kamala is a junior. Um, and then they lose Aaron McAdag, who um, is a beam specialist, who you know didn't quite get that big score we kind of needed out of her this year. Other than that, everyone returns. And also they get uh, McKenna Kelly back from injury. Um, Sarah Finnegan, I think, is the, the best gymnast on the team. Um, it was neck and neck between her and Mia all season long. Um, you know, you get another – a lot of the younger gymnasts were, you know, just starting to show, you know, show themselves. Like Kennedy Edney, she's only a sophomore. She's, you know, really, really showing that she's going to be a, you know, a big contributor. Lexi Priestman's a junior, so, she, you know, she's going to have a shot. So I just keep the national title contender next year. I think, honestly, the team's probably going to be better. That's encouraging. Yeah. I think it really is. This team, this was not a one year wonder kind of thing. I think. That junior class we have right now is, is pretty stacked. It's kind of Alan Finnegan, McKenna Kelly, and Lexi Priestman. They'll be hard to replace. So, but this is definitely a team that should compete for the national title next year. And uh, you know, look, Oklahoma. At the end of the day, I'm a little bit irritated about losing to UCLA, but I'm not at all about losing to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is better. 
And if UCLA didn't exist, Oklahoma wins the title. So it's hard to be upset about throwing your best shot at somebody and they throw their best shot at you and they score higher. I think Oklahoma had a better meet as well. They're a better team that had a better meet. And that's that makes the pill easier to swallow. I think people are already, I don't know if impatient is the right word. I mean, Dee Dee built the program. It's not like she's going to go anywhere. But there is a sense of, like, when are they ever going to win it? I, I can see that. but And it feels like kind of UCLA came out of nowhere. Right. Like, when, when does LSU do that and just, like, steal it? Um, I think, well, UCLA loses a lot. So I don't think they're as big of a threat. Um, Florida, of course, is going to lose uh, – Alex McMurtry, who's probably the best gymnast in the SEC. Um, and I think Oklahoma Oklahoma's a machine. They're still going to have a ton of talent. But I do like their odds better next year. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for the year to come through, this was not supposed to be the team that won. They, they weren't ranked number one at any point in the season, except where they might have like really early. But this team has consistently been second or third all year. And then, you know, they were second going into the final rotation. So they were, they finished where they were supposed to, but yeah, you would like them to finish above where they're supposed to. Yeah, I think so. I will uh, take your word for it. Cause you know, Jim probably yeah, as well I, as anybody. I, I think the, what was encouraging is that this was a team that showed up for the big meet. Mm-hmm. I think last year, even though they finished second, they were out of it pretty early. They made some early mistakes, and they rallied back with a remarkable performance on beam to finish second. And, like, that was the victory. Yeah. But they they dug themselves this massive hole. They, they were out of contention pretty much from the beginning. That was not the case this weekend. They, they were in contention the entire time. Gotcha. So even though they finished fourth, I think this was a better performance than last year's second place. Maybe next year is the year they do it all. Maybe next year. <sighs> that's all. That's all we have to hope for as LSU fans, right? Yeah, and we're just every sport now. Yeah, we're just a gym school. And, you know, I think, yeah, that's the, the bummer about football. It's like, you know, you can say, oh, wait till next year. And I think when you're looking at the football team, everyone's kind of already saying wait till next year. They don't mean this year. They, you know, they mean the year following. <laughs> yeah. And basically this is a year where they, you just want them to keep the lights on so they can have, a, you know, the really big season the following, following year. But you can't lose momentum. No doubt. You can't suddenly be a seven and five team. That that's not gonna that's not gonna play. Not in this climate, no sir. <laughs> no sir, Rebob. <laughs> oh, can you guys tell I'm tired? I'm out of it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll let you. Why don't you go to bed? I know, it's pathetic, but I guess that's probably what I'm going to do.
All right. It, this has turned into the Sleepy Good podcast. Yeah, go to the Sleepy Good Times. <laughs>